stop believing everything that the media tells you. You know this. Now, but from both sides. But the goal of this podcast is the war on Israel and what is really going on behind the scenes, the timing of it, the strategic importance of everything that's going on, the nations involved, the people that are involved. Do not believe anything that you see on mainstream media because the goal from both sides is the same. And it comes all back to money. And I'm going to elaborate on this. I'm going to give you all the facts. You can fact check it if you want. I dare you to. I actually encourage you to so that you really see that this is not conspiracy theory. This is truth. This is light. This is enlightenment. So that you know not to join sides, but to really just be aware that there needs to be a change with the banking system. And that's essentially what's kind of going on. And Primarily on the surface, where we have the East and the West, uh, we'll get into the, the history here in a second, but on the surface, what's going on is, you probably heard the term BRICS, which stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And now we're adding another S to that. In January 1st, Saudi Arabia has now pledged to join the BRICS alliance in the quest is not about religion. It's not about, uh, you know, morals and ethics and, and ethical uh, dilemmas. This is about money, the root of all evil, guys. I'm here to tell you why it is and all the important facts that you need to know. So what's happening is the United States dollar is the international uh, currency denomination for all settlements. So and it's been that way since 1944 in an agreement that was called the Bretton Woods Agreement. And we'll get into that here shortly. But um, what's happening is that the West is trying to hold on to this uh, because it props up the value of the U.S. dollar, correct? And when the value of the U.S. dollar starts to slip, as we've seen, you start to have big issues globally when the the world denomination is the U.S. dollar. And so we've kind of seen this tug of war battle between communism, the East, and, uh, you know, some of their uh, strategic uh, players that are uh, at hand here, which is now what we know as the BRICS alliance, uh, as I was just mentioning. So really the everything going on in Ukraine and everything going on in Israel between uh, Hamas, and we'll go into you know who these people really are, uh, and and the East here. So uh, coming back, let's come full circle here. Uh, let's go back to the Bretton Woods Agreement and why the United States really entered World War II. And a lot of people don't know this, but really the prime reason we entered World War II was because of Japan and Pearl Harbor. Um, on December 7th. And, and uh, I, I want to read you guys just so you know that there was a lot of things where we actually forced the hand of the Japanese to do this. Call it what you will, but I've done a lot of research here and many other people have as well. And, you know, your textbooks aren't necessarily going to tell you this because the cost of what we suffered in that loss was nothing compared to what we gained uh, in the end run. You know, even with everything going on with Germany and, and Hitler at the time, we were not initially involved in World War II. We were actually profiting and profiteering 
by uh, loaning tanks at, at, um, at certain interest rates, uh, sending weapons for money. We, we were using this to capitalize off of suffering and war in the world because of Great Britain's war. And remember that Great Britain at the time, the UK, was the British pound was the global currency system at the time. But after World War II, it changed. So Winston Churchill at the time was, you know, trying to get us entered into the war because he knew he was he couldn't win the war without the U.S. So we ended up forcing the hand of Japan. I want to read a direct quote here because I think this is vastly important. So Rear Admiral Frank, Frank Edmund Beatty Jr., who at the time of Pearl Harbor uh, was an aide to the Secretary of the Navy, and he was actually very close to the inner circle of Franklin D. Roosevelt at the time. And this rear admiral remarked that prior to December 7th, this is a direct quote, it was evident to me that we were pushing Japan into a corner. I believe that it was the desire of President Roosevelt and Prime Minister Winston Churchill that we got into the war, as they felt the Allies could not win without us, and all of our efforts to cause the Germans to declare war on us actually failed, which is factual. The conditions were imposed upon Japan to get out of China, for example, were so severe that we knew that nation could not accept them. We were forcing her so severely that we could have known that she would react toward the United States in such a manner, all her preparations in a military way, and we knew their overall import pointed that way. Coming back to oil here, guys, and really rubber as well. So some of those islands in the Pacific were uh, focused, uh, you know, you had guys like, um, uh, blanking here, Goodyear, and uh, Michelin and, and these uh, Firestone and these tire companies, um, where do you get the rubber? So uh, the, the Pacific was a, a primary foothold for these types of uh, uh, material and uh, manufacturing uh, plants. And Japan needed oil. Germany needed oil. That's why they tried to reach out to Mexico at the time. They tried, uh, you probably heard of the Zimmerman telegram uh, where Germany was trying to infiltrate Mexico to get them on their side. Um, and it was all really back to petroleum here, guys. So fast forward, let's go. Forget about that. We got into the war. What ended up transpiring out of the war was that the United States dollar come right back to the Bretton Woods Agreement. The United States dollar became the international currency for all settlements across the entire world. Fast forward 30 years, the Nixon shock happened where we were like, oh, you know, hey, I just told you guys, we we don't have enough gold to back the amount of U.S. dollars we've printed. President Nixon made it null and void. And then the concept of the petrodollar was inherently born. So, and OPEC along with it, the oil producing economies and countries of the world, go figure the leading consumers who also own the most oil, so Russia, China, and the United States actually have more oil. The United States has the most oil um, for a country in the entire world, uh, close second, uh, you know, Russia and China. But uh, surprising that we're not involved in, in the countries that are a part of OPEC. I mean, I'll go, let, let's just read off some of the countries that are a part of OPEC, which OPEC, uh, let's list them here. Uh, all right. <clears throat> this is from their website, OPEC.org, was founded in Baghdad, Iraq. Oh, interesting. With the signing of an agreement 
by five countries, namely Islamic Republic of Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, and Venezuela. Ooh, man, I remember Venezuela 2020 when we tried to overthrow Nicolai Maduro with that defense. Remember that with Silverthorne and all that good stuff? Ooh, I forgot about them. Uh, but then it was later joined by Qatar, Indonesia, Libya, big one where we uh, filmed brutally murdering uh, Muammar Gaddafi with uh, a bayonet and dragged him behind a truck for the world to see when he tried to say, oh, yeah, you know, we don't want to sell our oil for U.S. dollars. We want to sell it for the golden dinar back by the gold that we have here in Africa. It was a great Oh, but he was such a dictator and all this other stuff. So he needed to be cast out. So they propped up these rebel groups to brutally murder this guy. Raped him with a bayonet, guys, on, on film in 2010 under Obama's presidency. It's disgusting. But regardless, uh, Gaboon's on there, Angolia, Guinea, and the Congo. I wonder why all these countries that are super poor are actually a part of this OPEC agreement where OPEC... Uh, let's, uh, this is extremely important. So OPEC itself, um, <clears throat> OPEC business card, OPEC business. So OPEC on per their website, the organization of petroleum exporting countries is an organization enabling the cooperation of leading oil producing countries in order to collectively influence the global oil market and maximize profit. It was founded in 1960s in Baghdad by the first five members. And per their website, they are listed as uh, doing business solely in U.S. dollars, very important, per barrel of oil, of petroleum, right? Okay, so U.S. dollars, now we're seeing the birth of the petrodollar being. So instead of gold backing the United States dollar, it's other people's oil. Not our oil, but other countries, namely OPEC and these countries that are involved here. These should be ringing massive bells to you in your mind going, huh, so now our U.S. dollar has actually been propped up by petroleum, the petrodollar. Okay, so fast forward through the 1970s, you can go into the to all the issues that were starting to develop in, inside the Middle East. Uh, you know, you had the uh, war in Iraq, uh, you know, Desert Storm, uh, the war on terrorism. But really, all these wars that you see now are not terrorist organizations. These organizations and rebel groups are really just you have the East and the West. Remember the big players, right? China, Russia. Uh, and then you've got the United States. We kind of use these proxy wars, as we call them, as uh, we prop up these groups through our intelligence agencies. So you have uh, Al-Qaeda and you have uh, you know, Hamas and you, you, you've got these rebel groups in, in Africa uh, that are propped up to really kind of overthrow uh, certain political leaders to make the right decisions in light of the bigger countries who are the puppeteers behind these organizations and these groups, right? It's not countries starting wars anymore. Countries are, uh, it's like our intelligence agencies have gotten smart enough to be able to appeal with, through propaganda, yellow journalism, to your ethical heart to get the people on board, right? To support certain groups, certain sides of the equation so you don't actually see the smoking mirrors that's actually going on behind the scenes in order, because once, you know, once you find out it's all that people are dying because of money, as the root of it is really the economics at play, 
it's hard to get people on board when you start talking about the economics. It's not economics because the people don't necessarily understand that. But look at Vietnam, for example, prime, uh, a very great example. But uh, now you start to see that Hamas is actually an organization closely tied with Iran. And Iran is very important because you have Iran is closely tied to Syria. Syria and Turkey are closely tied with Russia. And now we know indirectly with China. China's only official ally is technically North Korea of all places. And so... Um, through a thing called like the friendship agreement is just bizarre. But uh, what's happening now is you're trying to see, you remember that whole uh, cryptocurrency boom that was going on uh, about a decade ago? I mean, it's still kind of, you know, relevant. It's actually more relevant than as we'll get into here. But the digital current system, currency system, because China was the big player here. They had what you called whales in this cryptocurrency where they had uh, people like warehouses and warehouses of this stuff being mined uh, like from computers, right? Because um, that's how it's, how it's made is uh, you got to mine these cryptocurrencies and you need computing power to be able to do that. And so China was leading the, uh, the, the front on that. And now we're starting to see things starting to play out. Trump, remember in 2016, had, had placed first time in history, Jerusalem as the capital of, uh, of Israel. But now you, Israel is such a strategic importance for the United States and our economy because Israel is the center stronghold for the United States. That's why there's no division in Congress and the House of Representatives and the Senate when it comes to sending money to Israel, because we know that we have to have Israel. That's why they're, I think they're like the third or fourth. They're definitely top five militaries in the, in the entire world. Israel is because we give them money and we prop them up. They, they are our operations in the field in the Middle East to ensure that the United States has the petrodollar to back our currency system. Now we're seeing the BRICS alliance start to come out. They're talking about throwing out the U.S. dollar as a global currency system. They don't want that. That is their primary purpose. There's a lot of news on this. You should be able to do your research and find this. And the United States in our hyperinflation era, we're sitting here going, this can't happen. This cannot happen. So if you're for the United States, uh, you should be on Israel's side. Is it moral? Are, are the, the um, underlying things that are occurring um, important for uh, ethical decision? I'm not so sure. I don't necessarily want to get on onto that track at this point. Um, maybe another podcast, but Israel itself is the United States operating within the Middle East, okay? And you're going to start to see a lot of these wars are really just the big countries at play, the East and the West, operating uh, and having this tug-of-war battle to be able to ensure that one's economy is propped up versus the other. It's not a collective uh, bargaining system, right? China doesn't want the US dollar. They want the Chinese yen to be the global currency system, right? That's what makes 
China the powerhouse. That's why the United States has been the powerhouse since 1944. The Bretton Woods Agreement, because the U.S. dollar is the king currency. Before, it was the U.K. and the British pound. I mean, these are obvious things that you should have learned in, in world history or even U.S. history while growing up. But the rest of your textbooks has left out some pretty key um, important things that I believe now that you understand that this is really about trying to uh, solidify the United States, uh, the U.S. dollar in the world currency and settlement system. And, the, and that China is, along with their strategic allies, are operating in the Middle East because it comes back to petroleum and energy. This is where it's about. Israel is the powerhouse for the U.S. dollar in the Middle East. It always has been. You can get into 9-11 and, and you know, why, why we were really there. Uh, you know, the, the war on Afghanistan lasted less than a day, guys. But we're still over there. And we were setting up shop and, you know, taking over their oil fields. I mean, facts. Uh, you know, and, and Dick Cheney was the... <laughs> CEO of Halliburton, you know, natural gas and petroleum, you know, powerhouse down there in Odessa, Texas. Huh. I mean, you just, once you start to know a little bit of history, it's easy to start to put the pieces together and it's not conspiracy theory. Please don't go off thinking, oh man, that Austin guy, he's, he's lost it. You know, these people in the middle, am I taking away the fact that there are, um, deaths and, um, there are injustices happening in the Middle East because of this. Yes, absolutely. I'm not saying that, I'm not denying that there is issues at hand that are uh, because of this. But the root cause of all this is not terrorist or which religion's better or moral or ethical, uh, you know, philosophies or philosophical ways of thinking that are at play. This is really about the money. Um, and again, watch Saudi Arabia join the BRICS alliance January 1st, as they've just pledged. This is what's at play. The timing of the United States election. All this is very strategic in what we're seeing play out right now in the past several months. And really the past few years, I mean, it's been going in the direction that has led to what we see now. And China is... They're not just getting into the game here, guys. China has been thoroughly evaluating how to bring warfare on the United States of America without involving military wars that you would normally see. The warfare is really involved on social media. It's involved in the classroom. It's involved in the news media. It's involved in the agriculture. It's involved in uh, the uh, technology um, as they've been stealing our jobs. They've taken all of our jobs and your manufacturing. As an engineer, I can tell you firsthand that everything that we have relies absolutely solely upon China and the humongous decrease in labor prices that what NAFTA has really brought about was the demise of the industrial revolution of the United States of America, which really, when you start to see that 
the United States, there's actually a, a famous graph out there that shows the intersection of when the United States was, you know, CEOs used to be people like engineers, you know, who were who were focused more on building a product and making a, a quality product and the technology and then selling that product, right? There's an exponential curve here, but then there's an intersection in the early 1970s of when this actually changed on Wall Street. So companies like GE um, or, uh, you know, uh, Northrop Grumman and, and you know and, and the uh, military industrial complex these types of massive companies were doing more making more money on the open air casino on Wall Street than they were actually making intrinsic products and selling them um, and so then you started to see more CEOs being more on the financial side how can you play with the money and the accounting to make sure that we are making more money through investments and, and uh, hedge funds and these types of things on Wall Street versus worrying primarily about making money on intrinsic products.